0: Welcome to the Digital Story Experience, a podcast made by university student storytellers. Tune in and indulge as guests share their stories based on a different topic in each episode. Enjoy the podcast where not one story
1: is the same as the other. It is not uncommon to find ourselves in situations where there seems to be set guidelines for how to act. Perhaps these guidelines are informed by family members or friends or societal norms or simply because it's how it's always been done. In many of these situations, but certainly not all, these guidelines prove to be useful. But what happens if they don't? What happens if those guidelines don't align with who you are or what you want for yourself? What happens when you look inside yourself and make your own rules? The guests on this episode are strong and resilient, and instead of doing what they're told, They forge their own paths to allow them to put themselves first, to pursue their dreams and to prove to themselves that they are enough. Our guests on this episode will truly inspire you to think about the possibilities that are available by not always doing what you're told. Julio is a Canadian singer, dancer, and actress who has traveled the world as a performer with Disney Cruise Lines, toured Canada in a production of Matilda the Musical, starred in a spooky TV series called Channel Zero, and most recently filmed an episode of Riverdale, among other things. And today she's going to be chatting with me about not doing what you're told. Hi, Cassandra. Hi, Maddie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for helping me out. Anytime. Okay, so the theme for today is not doing what you're told, mm-hmm. but before we kind of jump into that, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, like where you
2: were born, where you were raised, what your childhood was like? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Um, I have quite a large Italian family, so um, many... Cousins. I have my brother and my sister, and my two parents, and they raised us with lots of love and a lot of encouragement and support of whatever we wanted to do in our lives. Okay, and so you are a performer
1: by trade. I don't know if performing is a trade, but we're gonna call it that. Um, so what led you to start performing? Because as far as I know from what you've told me and from your your resume, it looks <laughs> like you started at a very
2: young age. Yeah, um, I feel like a lot of performers have like sort of an aha moment when it comes to like wanting to perform. I've just never known anything different. And for as long as I can remember, that's all I've ever wanted to do. I've never had like a plan B or any sort of like other option. Um, I started dancing because uh, we lived by a dance studio when I was younger, like just down the street from it. And my parents were like, this would be fun. So they enrolled me in dance lessons. um, And I was two and a half, three years old when I started. So quite young. Um, And then I started the competitive world of dance at the age of six, which is quite young for that too. doing competitive dance my entire life, I found a love for musical theater along the way and then just started taking voice lessons and then acting lessons from there and just, yeah, went with it. <laughs> cool, okay, so something something just
1: sparked in you from a young age and you were like, this is it, this is what I do yeah.
2: now. Cool. Yeah, like there's never, I don't ever have a moment where like I thought of doing anything else but that. Yeah, So. and yeah. when were you, when you were young,
1: did you do other sports like swimming or gymnastics or anything like that or was it just like (laughs) dance
2: all the way? Um, I tried soccer because my brother is like a very skilled goalie for uh, soccer and so I tried for one season. I kicked the ball once the entire season, not even scored a goal, kicked the ball once and I came off my last game and looked at my mom and I was like... I'm a dancer. This isn't for me. Yeah, fair enough. I used to pick dandelions in the
1: field <laughs> instead of participate in the sport. So that goes to show why we are friends. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Okay, so after you graduated high school, you started pursuing a career as a performer right away, right? Yes. And was there any part of you that thought that maybe you wanted to or maybe that you should go to post-secondary for like, formal training? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, so I actually auditioned for Randolph and Sheridan, which are two well-known musical theater schools in Toronto, and I did uh, get a place in both of them. So at one point in my life, I was trying to decide between which school to go to. And then there was just something that, like, I talked about it for a long time with my parents, and I talked about it with a lot of my mentors, and I just couldn't see myself in either, which was very interesting because i i I was a huge believer in school and i did believe that i needed to go to a school and it was just like it didn't fit and i didn't find everything that i wanted in either of those schools so i asked to take the year to think about it so they kept my spot and they told me that i can come back next year which was really incredible of them um i think i needed to take the year to really prove to myself i was like i'm going to take this year i'm going to prove to myself if i can really do this or not and go from there and I was like if I book work then I'm just going to continue to work until I don't work anymore because I I am a huge believer in school and I do hope to go one day but it just it didn't feel right and it wasn't wasn't what I wanted for myself at the time so I jumped straight into it um so
1: after you decided that you weren't going to pursue post-secondary for the time being at that moment um did you face any sort of criticism? Like, was your family supportive? Did you have friends being like, you're crazy, what are you doing? Like, what was the kind of reaction to that decision?
2: Um, yes. So my parents were always supportive of everything that I've ever chosen to do. So they were behind me 100%, which I'm very fortunate and thankful for. But you do get a lot of, like, outside judgment from people that just, like – don't fully understand. Of course, school is obviously the path that everyone takes, majority of people take. So when you're that one person that doesn't, people just assume that you're not very smart or that you can't do it or you didn't get into a school or that you think you're better than the programs or they just think there's a lot of frowning upon it like it's not something that a lot of people do which is also why I was scared to not do it as well because it is a lot of like outside judgment I know I was the only one of my friends that didn't go to school so it was also quite lonely near the beginning of it the first few months because everybody I knew was in school and I was the only one and I was like what am I doing there's definitely like there's a certain
1: level of understanding that people just don't really get and I kind of feel like too there's when you tell somebody you're an actress or a dancer or singer or whatever that may be, um, if you don't have some sort of big, well-known credential behind your name, people are like, oh, you must not be very good. But realistically, like you could have been working consistently. You could be working more than the top actors out there, you know? So it's definitely hard to understand. The end if you're not in it, I think, anyways.
2: Oh, for sure, and especially, yeah, like when people are like, "Well, what? What are you in?" And I'm like, "Nothing. You've seen so." Yeah.
1: <laughs> if you yeah. don't
2: recognize me, you haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
3: No.
1: Fair enough. Okay. Did you ever kind of feel like you were criticizing yourself as well? Yeah. Like, did you ever <laughs> feel any sort of like imposter syndrome? Like, I'm working, but I don't have the the post-secondary education that my fellow performers have like did you ever sort of face that on a more personal level
2: yeah I think even still today I sometimes have moments where I I question my intelligence I think there's always moments where I'm like wow I wish I, I I don't consider myself always as smart as other people that have gone to school and that's something that I always like also snap myself out of because I have learned just as much, if not more when it comes to theater by fully working in the field. But then there's always that one part of me that's like, am I not as smart as everyone else? Because I didn't go to school in regards to like everyday real life situations, like mortgages and taxes and like things like that. Like I always feel like if I went to university, maybe I'd be a bit smarter in this subject. But that's not always the case. <laughs> you, I think you learn so much more from experience than like sitting in a classroom in some circumstances, especially for theater. I think the more you do, the more you learn. Yeah, no,
1: that makes total sense. I remember like a couple years ago, you and I had a conversation once and we were eating this terrible, terrible meal, but we were talking about how everybody around us had gone to school, had musical theater degrees, all of this stuff. And you and I were the only ones who like didn't. Maybe there were some other exceptions too, but we were just sitting there. we were having this moment where we were like, those people went to school for like four or five years to get the job that we have.
2: We're cool. (laughs) We are killing (laughs) it.
1: Okay. Um, Was there anyone in particular, and you don't have to name names, but can you think of anyone who has maybe said to you, you didn't go about this the right way you didn't go to school you whatever it may be has anybody told you you wouldn't succeed because you didn't take sort of that quote unquote normal route
2: Mm -hmm. so of course i've said a thousand times i'm very fortunate that like my bubble of very close people have constantly been super supportive which has been a godsend but a lot of my mentors really were pushing hard for me to go to school And yeah, there was never anybody that flat out was like, you're not going to succeed because you don't go to school. But there's been so many people that have been like, if I asked their opinion flat out, they'd be like, you need to go to school. Because especially for your resume and for networking and stuff, it is an incredible route to go for sure. But I just, yeah and that also sucked for sure for people that i looked up to and like really wanted to follow in their path flat out literally looking at me and being like no you need to go to school or else like there's not another option really sucked but yeah and and because i i strive to like make my mentors proud right and i'm like well do i just fully follow what you're telling me to do or do i just rebel and not make you proud and but and then there was also like the whole underlining, like, wondering if I was going to fail, because, you know, there there was that option, I guess, too. Right.
1: I would love to know if there are any particular moments or milestones in your acting career thus far that have made you feel like you've succeeded. Like, in that moment, you were like, I did it. (laughs)
2: Look at me go. We're getting really into it here. Okay. Um, for Channel Zero, when I was a tooth child, I didn't have an option for that. Like, I didn't know it was a thing. And mm-hmm. I worked with this woman years ago, like, when I was, I want to say, like, 14, 15 years old. And she is, like, a very well-known actress in Winnipeg. And she called me one day and was like, i put your name in for this. You'd be great. And I was like, Cool. So later that day, yeah, later that day, the casting director called me and she's like, can you come in for an audition in a half an hour? And I was like, sure. Didn't know anything about it. I walked into the room and they were like, cool. So they were like asking me about how tall I was, how much I weighed and all that stuff. And then I ended up booking the role like the next day. And if I feel like if I didn't like make an impression on that woman that suggested me, then I wouldn't have even have been there. Yeah. So I think like sticking to my morals has really helped me, I think, because working hard and being kind, really, you do like make an impression on people and like a lot of what we do is networking, right? So people will help you out.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that just really speaks to your reputation and how you present yourself as an... A professional, but also as just an individual too. If it wasn't for your hard work and the reputation that you've kind of curated for yourself, like those things maybe wouldn't have happened. So I think that's a testament to you as a person, but also as a professional. So do you ever think that by doing what other people had suggested, what other people told you to do, that your life would have turned out differently, maybe in a more positive
2: way? I mean, obviously, everyone's paths are different. Everybody's life choices are very different. But I, I would not have experienced the majority of the things that I've experienced if I went to school. And, like, who knows what it would have happened if I did. That's something that another life has to offer. But all of my career wouldn't have been a thing. Right. And you would have
1: graduated into this crazy unopened world.
4: So
2: yeah, I literally, yeah. And like if I was in school, I literally, yeah, I would have absolutely nothing. I wouldn't be with my agency. I wouldn't have moved to Vancouver. I wouldn't have. Yeah. Wow. So I, yeah, I can't imagine. I have no regrets. I can't imagine a world where I would have chosen to go to school. And I'm very thankful and fortunate that I didn't.
4: Today, we will be talking about not doing what you're told. When I think about this topic, I think about one of my greatest friends, Denny. Not because she is a defiant rebel who doesn't like to listen to other people, but rather she is a strong woman who follows her own heart, even if it isn't what other people expect from her. So hi, Denny. Can you tell us
3: what you went to school for and what you originally wanted to do for a career? I started my degree in 2014 at McEwen University. At the time, it was called Physical Education and Recreation, and later got changed to being called a Kinesiology degree. Um, so I did two years there, and then I actually ended up quitting for a year and finishing off at University of Lethbridge. And at the time, when I first started, I thought I might wind up as like a strength and conditioning coach ideally for hockey players or professional athletes. I wasn't totally sure if that's what I wanted to do. I sometimes thought about doing physiotherapy as well, Um, but at the time it just sounded like the most interesting program to me out of all the programs that were offered. So now that
4: you've completed your degree, what are people's reactions when you tell them that you may want to pursue other career goals that aren't related to kinesiology? I'm
3: the type of person that has interests in all sorts of different fields so when I first started out my kniste degree my only job experience really was doing personal training and then after I ended up quitting school for that year I wound up working uh, for directional drilling and so I learned a lot of new skills there and then I also wound up and uh, working for a city doing like exterminating and applicating jobs, which are super far out there, but I actually really enjoyed them. And past couple years, I've been doing uh, wild firefighting as well. So I guess you could say I've had career goals from being a mechanic to being a firefighter and everything in between. A lot of times people laugh at me that I wound up in a kinesiology degree. Um, my parents often joke that I actually just went to school to get a degree in hockey instead, but... <laughs> I think either way it helps having a degree at the end of the day even if you don't want to use that degree necessarily what it's made for. Um, I know when I mention I want to be a mechanic like I mentioned that from a young age when I was 13 my mom her first reaction was oh that's not good for you there's so many chemicals so kind of turned me off of it Um, but I've always been really passionate about trucks and vehicles and just knowing how things work and even now I still feel like it's a career that I'd like to pursue. Uh, and anyone that knows me knows that I enjoy mechanics, but I definitely get razzed pretty hard for taking kinesiology in school when I really haven't wound up using that degree at all. No, that's awesome. I definitely
4: commend you for following your heart and pursuing your goals, whatever they may be. But what is it ever expected that you may follow in your mom's footsteps and become a coach?
3: So my mom owns a gym, and oftentimes people kind of just assume that I'll be taking over her gym, especially because I've been coaching there for years now, and also has to do with my degree, Um, but even my mom knows that it's not really a passion for me, it's more just a hobby, and to me it's a lot of behind-the-scenes work where you don't get paid for, and I think I would lose a lot of interest and passion for coaching if I did do as a full-time job. Um, But yeah, constantly people just kind of assume that I'm going to be taking over my mom's gym one day. And even I think she's kind of reached the point now where she'd like to pursue a new career as well, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So what advice do you have for people who have
4: certain expectations placed on them, but they want something else for themselves?
3: This one's a tough one, because I even struggle with it today. Um, I think if I had zero expectations and zero pressure from anyone, I probably would not have wound up taking kinesiology. Um, I also had pressures to play hockey, which I wanted to do, and I'm happy that I finished all five years at a varsity level. But at the same point, it does kind of feel sometimes like it was almost a waste of money to pay for a lot of my degree and have all the student loan debt now and I really feel like I'm not getting rewarded for it. I look up degrees or I look up job opportunities using kinesiology degree and just none of it really interests me. So I would say the biggest thing is if it's something that you've thought about for years and years and you still think about it that it's worth it and really it doesn't matter how old you are, like I feel like I graduated kinda late. I took me two years longer than it should have to finish my kines degree and it is intimidating knowing that if I do start a new career path I'm going to start back on square one essentially but to me it's worth it like it's going to be something you do for the rest of your life and if you're not passionate about it or you're not excited about it or excited to learn it gets to be quite a drag but it's definitely not easy especially being a girl doing a lot of non-conventional jobs as a girl. Uh, definitely I feel like I have to prove myself a lot of the time and work a lot harder than a guy would be expected to just to show that I'm just as capable as they are but yeah biggest thing is just follow your heart as cheesy as that sounds I think too just gaining as much experience and as much knowledge as possible like I've wanted to be a farmer so I've helped my friends at their farms and I thought I wanted to be a firefighter for a really long time and that's how I ended up being a wildland firefighter, and there are still days that I really want to, but I've also found passion for, like, using the saw, and doing small repairs on the machinery we have, and yeah, so I think the biggest thing is just get as much experience as you can, especially while you're young, like, work odd jobs, and they don't have to be related at all, and that's how you, like, really, that's the only way you can figure out what you enjoy, and what you don't enjoy, and what is worth to you and making a career may not be the same values someone else has so yeah
4: i love that answer i commend you for following your heart always and pursuing your goals wherever they may lead you i think it's been very inspiring to watch your journey as a young woman and i just have one last question and you mentioned earlier how as a woman you feel that you need to prove that you are just as capable as a man in certain careers so what would you tell your younger self when it comes to entering the workplace especially as a young woman in the careers that are predominantly run by
3: men if I could go back in time I would tell my younger self to be okay with putting myself outside of my comfort zone And to work hard and be confident in my work. Never second guess myself. And I would also say that the desire to learn will also get you really far. And that's how you'll improve in your job field.
4: Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much, Jenny. Uh, Thank you for your wisdom and your insight. And I believe that you are an amazing role model for anybody. We can all look up to you you follow your heart and you do what you want to do and you stay true to who you are in the process and that is something that I think everyone can learn a little more about and um, yeah thank you very much for the chat.
0: Hello, everyone. I'm Kayla, and I am here with my friend, Jordan. So, hi, Jordan. Thank you for doing this with me. No problem. And you have done the consent form and all of that stuff beforehand, so I really appreciate it, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, number one question that I have for you. I've discussed the topic with you before, but... To reiterate for the listeners, do you have a moment in your life where you did not do what you were told?
5: Um, I think everyone does, but the one that comes to mind when I think about it is, there was one time in high school when I had made plans to go see a movie with a friend, and at the movie theater, and the closest movie theater being about probably 40 minutes away, And it was probably like the dead of winter at that time, and I was allowed to borrow my mom's truck to drive us there. However, when the day came, it was snowing pretty heavily, and my mom had advised me not to go, that it would be best, that the weather would be bad, and that it would be best if I didn't. However, being, you know, the teenage 17-year-old that I was, I decided to go anyways. After about 20 minutes, it had stopped snowing anyways, but that was that.
0: What consequences came from that? Did you get in an accident or did you just go ahead and do it?
5: There was no accident to be had. I just went ahead and did it.
0: Wow, you rebel. I know. So rebellious. <laughs> So why did you feel like not doing what you were told? Why did you break the rules and take your mom's truck
1: anyway?
5: I think at that point I had already decided that I was going, so it really wasn't convincing me otherwise, because I had already made these plans prior, a little snow wasn't going to stop me. I was also in that stage where I just thought I knew better than my mom, and she was being ridiculous.
0: Yeah, that's fair, especially in that teenager phase, you just don't really care for what your parents say, that's for sure. I don't know if that was the case for you, but I think that's the typical stereotype
5: Yeah, I think everyone goes through that.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, what movie did you end up seeing, anyway?
5: Honestly, I don't even remember.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully it was worth it. Yeah. (laughs) So, how did you feel after? Did you feel satisfied with taking your mom's truck, or did you regret your decision later on when you got home?
5: Um, I feel like I'm probably somewhere in the middle, In the moment, I think I was probably more satisfied. Um, When we had first left, I was a little skeptical of the snow, but after the 20 minutes had gone by and it stopped snowing, uh, when we had gotten there, I definitely had the, it wasn't even that kind of a big deal kind of attitude. But I think,
0: looking back, I think
5: I was a little bit more regretful than I should have been.
0: So you did have second thoughts while you were doing it.
5: Um, not so much while I was doing it. Maybe in the beginning when I knew that there was a lot of snow, but after it kind of slowed down a little bit, I was kind of like, yeah, let's go for it.
0: Why not, right? You already got the truck, you already got the keys, let's go.
5: Exactly, we're rolling.
0: (laughs) So, if you could go back to that moment in your life where you were in between deciding, taking the truck, or listening to your mom, would you do it again if you had the chance, or would you choose a different route to go? Looking back, I think,
5: I don't think I would have done it. Um, It definitely made me feel like I was more adult, but realistically I was just doing it because my mom said no. I'm definitely more cautious of a driver now than I was when I was younger. I think had it occurred now, I probably wouldn't have done it.
0: So why wouldn't you do it looking back now? Just because you would listen to your mom, or because it was something that you would choose now?
5: Um, I think probably just because I'm an adult now, and I kind of realized why she was telling me not to do it, and also because... Since then, I have been in a car accident in the winter, and I'm not overly grateful for that moment.
0: <laughs> for sure. Uh, do you mind sharing what happened at that car accident? Um. Well,
5: because it was a completely separate incident, and it happened years after, I uh, hit a patch of ice and kind of didn't roll my car, but it, it swerved and hit a tree.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, at least you're okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. So you would say that your knowledge now kind of applies to how you would choose to do something way back when, in that moment
5: Yeah, exactly, I think having grown a lot and also had the experience of having a car accident I think really helps the thought process a little more
0: Who would have thought having a car accident would help you make a better decision, hey?
5: (laughs) Right? I feel like I could have done that without that. But, you know, everyone
0: learns in their own way. Everything happens for a reason. (laughs) Okay, so another question I have is, how do you feel reflecting on that moment now? Do you feel, like, regretful, or do you stand by your choice, or do you wish you did it a different way? I think we kind of already said that, but just to reiterate...
5: Yeah, so I don't think I'm regretful of the situation. I think had I gone back, I probably wouldn't have gone just because it had had been snowing quite a bit and I was just being rebellious. And considering I don't even remember what the movie was, it clearly wasn't that important.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. So did you not do what you were told often as a rebellious teenager, or was this kind of a first-instance kind of thing Or were you doing it out of spite because you were mad at your mom or something?
5: Mm, I feel like overall I wasn't very rebellious whatsoever. I I did pretty much what I was told, given it was a reasonable request. I think that was just a teenage moment where I thought I was better and knew more than my mom did.
0: Which, of course, we never do. We're just teenagers.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Stupid teenagers.
0: (laughs) So... Let's say you could, again, we're going to time travel a little bit and go back again to when we were teenagers. Do you think you would not do what you were told more often, or would you listen to authoritative figures more if you could go back?
5: Um, Going back, I feel like... Like I had said, I did follow the rules quite a bit. Uh, Going back, I think I probably would have listened about the same. I think everyone kind of has their moments where they're not really going to listen, but I think that's also where the growth comes in.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the knowledge of everything that accumulated up to now. So would you say in the future you are going to do what you're told more often, or do you think now that... You've accumulated all this knowledge from before you were a teenager to now with the car accident and every other thing that happened to you in your life. Do you think it will help you in future decisions when taking advice from others? Well, I think right now there's
5: not a whole lot of other people telling me what to do. But I think, again, if it's a reasonable request, like asking me not to drive in a snowstorm, is I think is fairly reasonable. As long as it's reasonable, I think I will follow the rules.
0: So, let's say you want to go bungee jumping and someone tells you not to. Do you think you would listen? Or do you think you'd ask them further questions like, why don't you think I should go and did you ever go before? Is it a not worth it kind of thing?
5: To be honest, I think I'm probably the person that would be like, hey don't go bungee jumping, but I think if someone else were to tell me not to do it, um, I would definitely take in their cautions, but I think if I outweighed the good over the bad, I think I probably would still go.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Especially because we're friends. I know you for a long time. You would definitely be the other person saying, don't jump, dummy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not doing that. You're paying a company to jump off a bridge when you could do it yourself but just die? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, sounds like a great time. <laughs> well, I think that's all the questions I have for you today. I really appreciate you doing this with me and talking with me about this topic.
5: You're welcome anytime.
6: Imagine, you marry someone only to find out they aren't who you thought they were. That's what happened to Ashley. She did what she was told though, until she didn't. So the topic is not doing what you were told. So I thought of you because of the situation you were in with your ex and the way he had uh understand it correctly, sort of, he had wanted you to do a lot of things told you to do things, told you not to do things, and it came down to one big one. So why don't you walk, walk us through that, through uh, your marriage, and then how, what happened, and how it ended, and how, how like frame it in that, with the idea of not doing what you were told, or, or doing what you were told not to do kind of thing.
7: Sure, yeah. So I got married in 2016, and I mean, everything up till that point had seemed, you know, pretty normal and, and we had gone through like premarital counseling and and stuff like that. So I w- had figured that we were on the same page with a lot of things. Um, even like at the beginning we had agreed, oh, we'll have a shared bank account and, and stuff like that. And then uh, when we had, we were, I was in the middle of of my schooling um when we were uh when we first got married but he was really he was really insistent that we get married right away and he didn't want to wait until the next year and so i was like all right sure i'll handle this i'll work on it and i'll get that figured out so we got married and right off the bat things started to get a little weird as soon as we got married so the why i brought up the bank account was because uh he wasn't merging our bank accounts and he had the primary income and i brought it up to him and he immediately got angry and said that he would deal with it and but it was just like right off the bat there was like certain things like he just it felt like he wanted to control you know my spending and he wanted to control how i behaved he told me to to you know, I can't say this or I can't talk like this in front of certain people. We'd be, we were walking down the street one day and there had been a, a person who was jaywalking and I made some kind of remark just like, ugh, wait until the car has passed or something like that. And then he got really explosively angry at me as we were walking down the street. Um, yeah, there was, and then it, it just kind of started getting, going downhill with that kind of behavior, I was afraid in journals I wrote that he would get mad at me if I brought oh. issues. Yeah. So, uh, you know, looking back, it was definitely emotional abuse and it was definitely heading towards something. Um, but I I wanted to make it work. I, I feel like I put myself in a box of, you know, I made these, um, I made these vows and I took it seriously when I took them and I wanted to to work through it because I felt like you know you can make things work with everybody so long as you you know just you're both trying to make it work so um, he started to act really strange and At one point, he came to me and asked if I would want to be polyamorous with him because it was really bringing him a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress that that he couldn't be polyamorous. And he was discovering that this is who he was, and I said, well... The first time he brought this up to me, I said, you know what, if that's what you want to do, let's get separated now because that's not what I want to do. And he said, no, no, I chose you. You know, this is, this is what I've decided that we're going to do. And so if that's what you want to do, then fine. But he started pressuring me more and more and more. And I knew that he was talking with these uh, girlfriends who he was spending. I told him I was uncomfortable with him messaging them late at night. And he would accuse me that I didn't want him to have girlfriends, which was not true. He had plenty of girlfriends, but, you know. <laughs> I think uh yeah so he just kept saying like oh i'm anxious and it's your fault and i need to i need to be polyamorous and stuff and it all led up to him uh finally admitting one night that he had had an affair but he didn't want me to tell anybody and that you know he wanted to work through it but uh yeah I didn't do what I was told there <laughs> because finally I think well it was unfortunate finally what happened is is I, I had to talk to a nurse and, and it just I kind of broke down there. And he had to pick me up and he was upset because he was saying, you know, well, what if you what if my coworker found out because he worked close to there and, and he, he was more, he told me at that point he couldn't emotionally love me anymore. And then that kind of, I don't know, things just broke in my head there. I I realized that, yeah, he just didn't really care about me. And it wasn't really about, you know, saving our relationship so much as, as the control over me at that point. So yeah, I finally, after a week of, not of trying to figure out what my life would look like I was like you know what I can't do this anymore and I and I left and it's I'd say after that things you know it for a little while there it was really rough um thankfully I had like a lot of support through my family and friends and my work and there's a EAP program that was really helpful and things definitely got better from there but it was it looked pretty bleak for a while
6: so So. it sounds like there were a lot of instances where you were doing what you're told um and and also um doing what you're told not to um throughout the relationship and then at the end so so what were the consequences during the relationship of always or often doing what you were told to do or not doing what you're uh, doing, what you were told not to do, that, that sort of thing. So how did that uh, impact you as the relationship went on?
7: Um, it was all a lot of emotional and verbal abuse. Like, uh, you know, if I, if I tried to, if I made a mistake, I was afraid of making mistakes because yeah. I would, I'd get yelled at, or I'd be, you know, put down. Um, I, if I didn't wanna play, uh, like I, I didn't wanna play frisbee when he wanted to play frisbee, cause I just, it wasn't really, um, it wasn't really my cup of tea to play frisbee. And he got, you know, upset and started accusing me of, you know, you don't we don't have things in common when I didn't wanna do, <laughs> the things that he wanted to do so and yeah it was bizarre <laughs> looking back on it
6: <laughs> well I, it sounds like you made the right decision and <clears throat> a decision that some people wouldn't have uh as as far as many people seem to stay in toxic relationships I, I think this does sound like a toxic relationship um so how i i know it was a tough time for you Uh, after the breakup Um, how has it how has that benefited you
7: um well one of the things that benefited me was (laughs) I should go back uh when we were in our relationship before we got married he was saying oh yeah we'll you know we'll get a house together and stuff and then while we were married he would say no I don't want to pay into the man into the system I don't want to get a Mm -hmm. house so and I mean, I never really felt like like oh, I don't know what we're gonna do. But so one of the things I did was I I bought myself a house. Um, he never wanted me to get a dog uh, mm-hmm. because we were putting that all on hold for his life plans. But
6: mm-hmm.
7: I went and got myself a dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the plan. Oliver. Yeah, Oliver. Uh, the plan is to eventually do therapy work with him when we work through his. Puppy issues, but uh-huh. that's that's the goal, uh, and be, because those two things are life goals, that I definitely, I think, always wanted to have or always wanted to meet is to have a dog that hopefully I can do therapy work with, and to have my own place um, that was mine, and without him in the picture, I've been able to do those things, um, and. I mean, during the relationship, geez, I gained like 40 pounds. I think that was just stress and, mm. and stuff. And I have my health under my own control now. Um, when I was with him, I, I, had, I experienced panic attacks for the first time in my life. And I didn't know what was going on because, you know, I didn't want to know what was going on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I have dealt with that. And the interesting thing is, like through all of this and through the counseling that I got, you know i I learned that I'm a really emotionally strong person, uh-huh. and that i've been and that i I am capable of taking care of myself in and uh, uh, taking care of things that i I didn't really realize that I just that I had that ability. I thought that that was just something that people did, but as it turns out, yeah, I'm a lot more confident in myself as a person coming out of this, weirdly, even from before. <laughs>
6: well, it took, a lot of, it took a lot of confidence for you to do that, to 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 make that move. A lot of people would uh, would be afraid, well, what's going to happen? Am I going to be able to get a house? Um, I've invested so much in this relationship. Should I save it? uh from the outside looking in, it sounds like you made the absolute uh, right decision. What would you tell other people in your boat who think they don't have the courage, the resilience to do, to leave a a difficult relationship, toxic relationship, marriage or otherwise?
7: Um, it's really scary to, to go out and um, leave what's comfortable. Yeah. But I can I can promise you that once you leave you'll find that you're stronger than you can than you would have thought that you ever were. And that there is a support network out there for you uh, mm. that that you might not have even known that was there. Because I mean, I had gotten it in my head that I was all alone and that that, that I was in this alone, and you know what? That was part of the uh, part of what the toxic emotional abuse was. That I thought I couldn't tell anyone, and that it was my fault, and it wasn't. Yeah. And people will be there for you. You just have to reach out, and it's it's amazing what you'll be able to accomplish when there isn't that uh, baggage holding you back.
6: Yeah. That's good. Well, yeah. anything you want to add in, uh, about your experience? Anything else you think people should know?
7: Um, yeah, reach out to your network. Go for counseling. Go for counseling if you think you're in, in a tough spot. There is a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of support. Even going to your doctor's office and mm-hmm. uh, tell, telling them that you need to talk to somebody. There's yeah. a lot of um, support out there and uh yeah um try to separate yourself from the situation if you think that you know go away for a week huh. try to try to reflect on it because sometimes uh i think this is a quote from uh <laughs> bojack horseman i feel <laughs> like saying this and it's like uh, uh, the problem with wearing rose-colored glasses is red flags just look like flags. so.
6: That's a good one. All right. Yep. Well, thank you very much for, for talking to me about this. Um, I think some people will hear it, and you know, I'm sure someone is going to say, "Hey, I can do I can do things I didn't think I could too.
7: Yeah, absolutely. Right. I really hope so. Mm. It's not worth staying. There's so much to life.
1: episode on not doing what you're told. We'd like to take a moment to thank our guests, Cassandra, Denny, Jordan, and Ashley for chatting with us about their experiences. We couldn't have done it without you.